Good morning. It's good to be back with you guys again. Um, I was away for a bit. Uh, Kevin announced it last week, but we welcomed our second daughter into our house just a little over a week ago now. So if any of this doesn't make sense, it's because I'm sleep deprived. And uh, so you... I know, that's the, my excuse for this week. Next week, it's just my fault. All right, anyways. Um, we continue our, our journey that we've been marking on through the Stations of the Cross. Um, and uh, last week, uh, I was with you guys online, which was kind of a fun experience because usually I get to only be here in person, but it was fun to be online. And we, uh, Kevin walked us through where judges, Jesus is judged by the Sanhedrin and condemned by the high priest, right? Uh, and the next station, the next stop along the way of sorrows, we, we shift actually away from Jesus and we focus on Peter. And let's just, I want to, we're going to read through the passage a few times this morning, but we're just going to start uh, by reading it together uh, before we unpack it much. So it's reading from Matthew uh, chapter 26, 69 to 75. And this is Jesus is denied by Peter. So let's, let's read it together. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed into Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Peter, uh, he's one of the 12 disciples, right? Not only that, he's one of the three, Peter, James, and John, who are kind of like core to the 12. People who are given uh, kind of leadership roles within the 12 disciples who were, who were with Jesus throughout his three years of ministry. And Peter, he was honored as kind of the, the spokesperson of the group. He was often asked when he was... When a question was asked, he was the first one to answer. And this means that in the story of the Gospels, we have examples of Peter continually putting his foot in his mouth. Right? We have examples of his failure over and over again because he was the one who spoke. I don't think he was the only disciple who kind of blundered. Um, but because he was in this kind of leadership position, we have examples, we have documented cases of him screwing up. And this is actually another one of those. Because just prior to this, and it hinted at this, but after the Last Supper, 
on the way to the garden uh, where Jesus was praying, the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the first stop along the stations of the cross, there's uh, James and uh, has this, James and John and Peter have this kind of sidebar discussion with Jesus. And it, you can read it in chapter 26, verse 31 to 35. But here, on the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, If everyone deserts you, even if everyone deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Even if I have to die with you, not long after, a curse on me if I'm lying, I don't even know the man. Peter, I think like myself and many of us probably here, is kind of full of lip service, right? I'm with you all the way. But then when that moment comes, when, the, when that moment of truth arrives, we cave just like Peter caved. But even though Peter caved, does Jesus know he would? There's also this continual, like, we know this because Jesus set him apart. Jesus chose to accept Peter even though he had flaws, even though he had weaknesses. Jesus loved Peter up until that moment, up in that moment even, knowing that he was going to deny him. I don't know about you, but I, I find that comforting. That regardless of the flaws that Peter had, that he was still loved and accepted and included by Jesus. It means that even though I have my own flaws, that you have your own flaws, that we are loved, accepted, and included by Jesus. God loves us regardless of the flaws, regardless even of our sin. Right? And that's not to say like that our, our sin isn't isn't it any less deadly, but to say that this demonstrates the great forgiveness that God has for us, that even in the midst of it, we are loved, we are forgiven, and we are accepted. We are loved and we are forgiven just as Peter was loved and forgiven. And it's important that as we, we stand in this, this station, in this, along the way of that we remember that we are loved and forgiven because the weight of being the betrayer or being betrayed is an overwhelming one to bear. Have you ever been in that place with Peter where you have been the betrayer? Have you ever left someone in their point of need? Walked away from them? Have you ever disassociated yourself from someone to make yourself feel better? To protect your own skin? Do you remember how it felt? You wonder how Peter would have felt in this moment. 
Peter went away and he wept bitterly. I can't imagine what those next few days would have been like for him. For three days, he lived in that. But eventually, he was able to come to know, just as we can know, that we are loved and forgiven, even in the midst of our failures and weaknesses, that we are accepted, that we are loved. It's interesting that uh, this is the way of the cross, the cross of Jesus, but Jesus is actually absent from this station, right? But while he's not there in the picture, I think it's easy to imagine him kind of off in the distance, right? Because just like Peter, he would have heard that rooster. He would have known, because he's the one who told Peter it was going to happen, he would have known that as that rooster crowed, that the last of his friends had turned their back on him. He would have known the betrayal, the abandonment of Peter, the betrayal of his close friend, the betrayal of the one he called the rock. And let's read this passage again and imagine ourselves in the place of Jesus. Not directly in the scene, but in the distance, hearing that rooster crow and knowing the betrayal of our close friend. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and, and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Have you been in the similar place that Jesus is in? Have you been betrayed or abandoned? Betrayed or abandoned by a close friend in particular? Have you been left behind or hung out to dry by those people you trusted? How do you think Jesus would have been handling this in this moment? For myself, I know I have never been abandoned to my death. Obviously, I'm still here, right? But I, I have been abandoned and betrayed by those I have trusted. And I don't think any of us would wish this feeling upon another. That feeling of loneliness and emptiness. That there really aren't good words to describe. And while we wouldn't 
wish it upon another, there's comfort knowing that Jesus, the Word of God, the person, the being who was there at the beginning of all creation, knows how it feels. I confess that I have been someone who has abandoned people at their point of need. For the sake of my own self-preservation, for my own sake of, for the ease of life, I have chosen not to stand with those who are marginalized, those who are pushed away from either society or from the church. You know? I've taken the path of self-preservation and disassociated myself from people and their situations and their problems. You know, it feels like this is an area of my life that I'm constantly working on. And maybe you're with me in that. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe your faith has been about your own self-preservation, about your own selfish needs, instead of standing with those in need, as we're called to do. Standing with those in need, though, it's easier said than done. You know? Facing, standing with those who are facing pain or death, it's incredibly difficult, I think. Something that we're not really meant to do alone or without practice. Jesus actually said in Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? This, this idea of being faithful in the small things, I think, is practice that we're called to. Practice of being with people in the midst of difficulty, intentionally standing with people who have been pushed away or marginalized so that we can stand with them when they're facing pain and death. Little things. We practice on the small stuff, I think, by choosing a path of self-denial for the sake of others on a regular basis. And I think there's a lot of different ways we can practice this. Um, but for me, there's one thing that I have found probably the most helpful as a spiritual practice, and that's fasting. It's something that you can do and participate in that helps us to, to practice what it means to stand with those. And fasting is an intentionally withholding something that we would normally partake in, right? So often it's food, but it could be almost anything. And the purpose of it is to create space in our lives where we can feast and enjoy the presence of Jesus by not choosing the path of self-preservation. And it's not a diet. If you're fasting to lose weight, oh my word, right? Then it's about you. And it's not self-punishment, as some religious traditions would elevate, because then again, it's about you. It's about the practice of self-denial for the sake of Jesus. And as we're kind of going through the stations of the cross, we're, we're 
we're going to be moving into the season of Lent. Lent starts March 2nd. And Lent is a traditional time of fasting in the church. And maybe you want to consider what would be something to give up for Lent. Maybe it's something you want to ask God. What would be something that would help you move away from this self-preservation? And if you've never fasted before and you have questions about it, you know, reach out to one of us, to myself or to Kevin, or maybe just another trusted elder in your life for guidance. It's not something that you want to take on lightly, but maybe it's something you'd want to consider. I want to close this morning, and I want to return again back to the passage. And as we read it one more time, imagine yourself not as Peter or as Jesus, but instead as a friend to both of them. Imagine what it would be like in this moment to stand with Jesus who is being condemned to death, but also to stand with Peter, who has just committed the betrayal of his life. What does it mean for us to be with each of them? Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Let's pray. Lord God, deliver us from our cowardice. Give us strength to stand with those who have been condemned to pain and death. Help us to love ourselves in the midst of our flaws and weaknesses as you have loved and accepted us. Help us to love and accept other people even in the midst of their flaws and weaknesses just as you have loved and accepted them. Give us eyes to see the small things and to follow you in them so that we are ready to stand with you through the large trials of life. Lord, we ask that you would make us instrument, an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy.
O divine master, grant that we, might, we may not seek to be consoled, but to console. Not to be understood, but to understand. Not to be loved, but to be loved. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Go in the peace and grace of God.